Good morning. I have the privilege of reading today's scripture from Acts chapter 8, verses 9 to 25. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because he was a long time. For a long time, he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, He offered the money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall and bitterness and the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to see you. We um, have switched the order of services. If this is your first week back with us, um, to put the singing at the back half that seems like there's some talk about that being helpful, so we're going to try. And so the preaching will, will come up front. We've also tried to shorten things, so I'm going to do my best <laughs> to preach the 15-20 minute sermon. I know um, many of you have, have children in the pews or, or whatnot, so uh, that can be, the longer I go, the harder that gets. So I'll, I'll do my best. I've told you before in, in sermons in the past, just a handful of times, about my family's love for the show Biggest Loser. Uh, it's been a favorite kind of show over the years in our house where contestants compete to lose weight. And participants on the show, they're, they're not so much trying to you know, look good in their swimsuit in the summer. They're, they're really losing weight for the sake of their very lives. And because this show has run so many seasons... Uh, one of the features many people enjoy is like the where are they now, right? So the show goes on and the seasons go by and then they'll look at footage from usually a former winner and the, you know, the producers string together this montage of music and clips of them sweating and losing their weight and then they cut to the present and you see the contestant and invariably it's either really encouraging or really deflating and you know, they're either, they're, they've got Subway, a green smoothie, or, I don't know, cheeseburger, <laughs> Big Gulp. And, and it, you know, it's telling about um, the weight they've either kept off or gained back. And I mention that 
Only because in this passage we, we meet this man named Simon. And he seems to make a profession of faith. He's even baptized. But then his Christian life appears to hit some bumps. Or maybe a better way to say that is his Christian life is not so much hit, hits bumps, but it's like he wraps the thing around a telephone pole. And we don't have footage of where Simon is now. That would be nice. That would help us know what to think about him. There are some hints in this passage and some things that are said in church history about him. But I'm going to leave that for the end. What I want to do now is, is go back through the passage a few chunks at a time. But one quick word of caution before we do so. Please don't treat this passage as something merely academic. Like, when you leave, the main goal is that we understand Simon. That is not the main goal. The details are different, but the same dynamics on display in this passage are on display in the news every week and in the life of our local church. Simon's story is an old one, but it's contemporary as well. Showing us what happens when we want the power of God, but without a change of heart, a change of our lives. So let me, let me read this again here. I'm going to not do the whole thing. We'll do it in chunks, but verses 9 through 13. So this is the opening of the story. Luke writes this. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic arts or magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. When we hear magic, we probably think, or at least some of us will, think of someone like David Blaine. Who's magic, if you've ever seen, you know, kind of his feats of strength in some ways. It comes across a little dark, but but it's still kind of lighthearted. And that's generally when we think of music. keep saying musicians, magicians, that's what we think of, you know, sleight of hand or card tricks, kind of playful and quirky. That's not what this was. When you read about Simon, think more witch, sorcerer, and dark spirits. The people were amazed at his power, but likely also very afraid of it. When we read That in first, kind of in the first line in the passage, verse 9, we read that he first called himself great. And then he begins to hear the people say that of him. That must have delighted his heart. To hear what he whispered out, boomerang back to him louder on social media. But what happened to Simon? Apparently he's converted. He listens to Philip's preaching about sin. Simon had lied and deceived others. He'd loved the praise of his own name more than God's. 
And he learns that if God were to judge him, so Simon learns if God were to judge me, not based on what this guy's done or this gal has done, but what I've done in light of God's holiness, he knows he'd be justly condemned to hell. So, what does he do? Well, thankfully, he also hears about Jesus, the perfect God-man who loved the world so much so that he came dying in the place of sinners, on their behalf, taking the punishment we deserve, Simon deserved. Not only that, he heard that this same Jesus rose and ascended to heaven and is coming back again. But in the meantime, the kingdom of God is here and it's growing, it's expanding. And Simon believed all that, we read. In verse 13, we read that the one who had amazed others is now amazed by the gospel. Simon even follows Philip around, it seems, because he wants to learn about the fruit of Christian discipleship, to walk in the ways of the disciples. Or does he? That's the question. Read verse 14 to 19 again with me. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not, that's he, the Holy Spirit, had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll talk about that in a moment. Then they laid their hands on them and, had re- and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. We'll pause there. Several things to think about. It's just a side issue, but let me just give it at least a paragraph. This will come up a few times in the book of Acts, but let me give it a quick paragraph now. Perhaps you wonder why the external manifestations of the Spirit of God seem to fall on the Christians after their conversion, not at conversion. In the book of Acts, I'll tell you, we don't have time to explore this now, but the Spirit seems to fall at different times as people trust in Jesus. There's no precise, there's no one like takeaway that we should have from any one of these occurrences. I think the best way specifically to understand the delay in this passage is to see it as a blessing that the Spirit delayed. Because these Samaritan Christians, who were already suspect for simply being Samaritans, would have remained suspect if they hadn't, if the Spirit hadn't fallen until the apostles arrived. Because now the apostles get to see it, and that's good for the apostles to go, oh yeah, the Samaritans are becoming Christians too. But it's also good for the Samaritans so that everybody knows they're legit too. So I think that's how we should understand this one. But there's no one takeaway. Like this, or, this shouldn't be the ordinary experience. Normally it's believe and you receive the Spirit. Let's keep going. Let's, let's keep our focus though on Simon because that's where Luke seems to be pointing the camera, so to speak. First we see that Simon is amazed by Philip here in this passage who was doing in verses 6 and 7, so this is from two weeks ago, but he's doing these signs and wonders. They're extraordinary. Verses 6 and 7. So Simon becomes a Christian, or so it seems. But then when Peter and John show up, um, these kind of the CEOs, so to speak, of this super impressive new startup, like 
uh, he was amazed at Philip, but he's way more amazed at them. So like, it's like having the associate pastor preach, but then not the senior pastor, but like the president of the denomination comes in and he's like, whoa, here's Peter and John. This guy had power, but these guys really have power. And he offers to buy it from them. What are we to make of this gesture? Now, Simon's just a new convert here. So in his old profession, he would, he would trade kind of displays of power for money. He would do favors for people in exchange for money. So maybe what's going on here is just simply Simon is converted, but his old ways haven't quite changed yet. They're in the process. And so he's, he, it's a good gesture. He's just doing what he would ordinarily want. Like in his own life, that's how things would have been done. So he's just working that out now here in real time. Besides, wouldn't it be nice to have such a celebrity on Team Jesus? Think about that. Everybody in Samaria knew this guy, from the least to the greatest. Think about how the gospel would spread to have a celebrity speaking for God. Should sound contemporary. Let's not fuss about whether he's genuinely genuinely converted or not. Stop asking for the fruit of Christian character to grow out of the soil of Christian conversion before one rises to Christian leadership. Stop slow playing this. Just give him a microphone and a platform. Well, God gives Peter the eyes to see this offer, to buy the power of the Spirit for what it really was, what it really is. Look at verses 20 to 24 with me. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. Almost Old Testament language here about being excluded from the people of God. For your heart is not right before God. He couldn't see his heart, but he saw his actions. Verse 20, or 22, Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come, tr- come upon me. Several, several commentators point out that Peter essentially is saying, you and your money can go to hell. Like, in a very literal sense, that's, that's what he's saying. Luke recounts this story to show us that wanting the blessings that come with Christianity can be a very different thing than wanting to be a Christian. Say that again. Luke recounts the story to show us that wanting the blessings that come with Christianity can be a very different thing than wanting to be a Christian. And we wonder, which category would we put Simon in? The wanting the blessings of Christianity or wanting to be a Christian? Did Simon want to be a Christian as it seemed above? We read that he believed. Luke says he believed and he was baptized. Or does Simon just want power? First, the power that Philip had, and then the power that Peter and John have. He had power as a magician. Now, he sees Christianity, it seems, as a way to have even more power. So Simon's using Christianity to get what he already wanted out of life. Christianity to him is nothing more than some turbo button that just gives him more of what he already wanted. So Peter says, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. 
that word bond means slavery. It speaks of chains. Now, if we had pulled Simon aside years ago before this and said, ask Simon if, Simon, if when you start down this little magic path of yours, do you, could you ever imagine that it would become slavery? I don't think he ever would have imagined this. But that's what sin does. It, it just pushes us one step at a time further than we've ever imagined it would go. Simon sees, or Peter sees Simon as a false convert, at least so far. This is why Peter is firm with him. Peter is firm with Simon because he loves him. He loves him. Simon is drunk with power and being perceived as great. Now, back in Acts chapter 5, this has been months, back actually before Christmas, I think, it may, have been, uh, it may have been actually after Christmas, I'm trying to remember the dates, but back in Acts chapter 5, the same lust for perception, yeah, it, is, it was January, the same lust for perception cost two people their lives. And Peter was there. He watched them die. And he doesn't want that for Simon. Which is why he pleads with Simon to pray to God and ask for forgiveness. See, if we were, and we had more time, I'd put him back on the screen. But if you just let your eyes, if you have a Bible, go back up to verses 4, 5, and then verse 12. Something interesting bubbles to the surface. Listen to the phrases that are used. Verse 4, preaching the word. Verse 5, proclaim to them the Christ. Verse 12, they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, all in verse 12. Preaching, word, proclaiming, Jesus, belief, more preaching, good news, kingdom of God, name of Jesus, baptism. When Simon tries to get the Spirit's power, what does he leap over? What has he leapt over? He's leapt over the content of Christianity. The very substance that brings the blessing of Christianity. Preaching, word, proclaiming, Jesus, belief, more preaching, good news, kingdom of God, name of Jesus, baptism, signifying changed life. This is why at the start of the sermon I mentioned that while this story is an ancient story, it is also a contemporary story. It's then and it's now. Luke is cautioning us us not to treat the grace of God as something that merely gives us what we want. It's easy, perhaps, to point out some politician or some self-help guru who's co-opted the trappings of Christianity for his or her personal gain. But it's not just politicians who are known for this. When you mention the word evangelical or evangelical, which has its root in the word gospel, when you mention that word today, it's, which is also in our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America, which doesn't mean that we're free of evangelicals. Free means that we're free from state control. It's a long story. <laughs> That's not what it means. So it's evangelicals in our denomination name, right? When you mention that, people see that as a synonym for people who are hungry for power. We need to sit in that. Like, and just, we pulled the neighborhood. That's what they, like, that's how it's used on NPR. That's how it's used on Fox News. That's how it's used in CNN. Why? Are there ways Peter could be speaking to us? Maybe 
You've become a Christian only because Christianity gives you friendship and companionship. Or maybe it gives you emotional support. Or maybe kind of joyful, ecstatic experiences singing worship songs. Or maybe you know truth and some Bible verses. And that gives you a certain authority when you post something on Facebook. Those things might not be wrong at all. In fact, in many ways, they're good things. But they're not the core of Christianity, which is love from God that leads to life change. I titled the sermon, A Name That Lives in Infamy. Perhaps that's overdone a bit. Maybe not. It's a reference to the day of Pearl Harbor and the day that lives in infamy. And I I said at the start, I don't know what happens to Simon. We don't have footage of, of where he is now. But the passage doesn't end very hopeful. Peter tells him to pray. And again, even here he's trying to outsource, it seems perhaps, the prayer and saying, pushing it back to Peter. It says, you're the one with the power, you pray. I don't know. The church fathers, when they preached about heresy, the church fathers being those kind of Christian leaders in the first few hundred years, when they preached against a certain heresy, they tied it back to Simon, either because that's how his life went after this, or at least because that's what the passage says. We don't know, but it's a bad sign. And then there's his name, Simon, where I drew the title from, from the sermon. There's a word that was coined called simony, which became synonymous with buying positions of church leadership for, with money. Now, I mentioned that to Ben Bechtel uh, as we were standing in the office, and he's like, yeah, that was a big deal uh, in the Middle Ages. I just heard about it in, or read about it in church history. That's where the name comes from, simony. Again, not infamous in, to all of us, really. But if you're in church history classes, it comes up. So his name lives in infamy. And it's not a good conclusion, except perhaps for one word. The word previously in verse 9. Maybe when Luke interviewed Simon, if he did, after this story, Peter's rebuke to him took hold. And he previously practiced magic arts, not prior just to verse 9, But after verse 24, we don't know. But today I'm less concerned about him. And I'm far more interested in you. Have you become more interested in the blessings that come from God than knowing God himself? Not everyone who made a lot of noise about churches reopening wanted churches to reopen so they could be with the people of God to learn about God. It was about power. It's a political statement. Have you and I become more interested in the blessings that come from God than the blessings of knowing God himself? If you have, there's hope. There is hope for you. And there's hope for me. Look at the last verse in the passage, and then I'll close. Verse 25. Now when they, at least Peter and John, perhaps Philip too, we don't know. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans, these people that were despised. You see, what's fascinating about this verse is that when the disciples went through the region of Samaria back in the gospels, Luke chapter 9, they wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. That's what they wanted to do. And now they call down the love of God in the gospel of God. Hoping the Samaritans get saved. God can change people. 
There was hope for Simon and there's hope for us. But if we are to change, we need to sit in these harsh words. We need to have the ears to hear them. I don't know what ways you are in the bond of iniquity. Perhaps sins you never expected would be so controlling have now overrun your life. If so, I want to point you to the hope that Peter pointed Simon to. That as we repent, our sins will be forgiven. We pray and invite the worship team back up. Heavenly Father, there are great highs in the Christian life. Seasons of being, having our souls filled with joyful songs. A quickness in our step. And a lightness to our cares. But all of that comes when we get low before you as David prayed last week. And so Lord, I pray that as we draw to you the foot of the cross, you would raise us up so that, yes, we would have the blessings that come with Christianity of joy, but also the fruit of a changed life that lives for the good of others in a world that desperately needs you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.